your power as a PTSD wife. Let's talk about it. My name is Leah Huggins. I'm a wife, a mother, and a proud U.S. Navy veteran. After two tours to Iraq, my husband was diagnosed with PTSD. My world spiraled out of control as fear, anxiety, doubt, and depression took over. I gave my life to Christ, took on a new mindset, and let go of the negativity of my past. I now help wives to find healing, encouragement, and strategy to overcome the effects of PTSD on their daily lives and in their marriage. So come on in and let's talk about it. Welcome to Marriage, Motherhood, and PTSD. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Marriage, Motherhood, and PTSD. This is a place where we empower women to support their spouses through PTSD without losing themselves in the process. I'm your host, Coach Leah, and I'm so happy that you joined us today. Well, we got a good topic for you all today. So today we are talking about your power as a PTSD wife. Did you know you have power? Did you know you have authority? That's what we're going to talk about today. So the Bible tells us he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Did you know you're a good thing? So as women, we were created to be a help. You know, we can solve problems. We're nurturers. We're protectors. We protect what's ours. You give us something and we're going to make it grow. You give us a house, we're going to turn it into a home. You give us a seed, we're going to turn it into a generation. That's just what we do. Our strength lies in our intuition and in our ability to think and reason. I want to encourage you today. You are in no way inferior or insignificant. Did you know that your role as a wife is a position of power? A good wife is diligent and she's mindful of her house. She knows what's going on. That's also in Proverbs 31. She's observant and she's ready to take action. I said that in another podcast. She's ready to take action on what it is that she sees going on in her house. If you're a PTSD wife, that is an even greater call. It's a bigger responsibility. So let me tell you, (laughs) there's something that I've learned on my journey. If it was easy, anybody could do it. That's why there's so much divorce in this community. There's so many people that are not able to handle what it is that you've handled. They don't survive what it is that you've been through. So let me tell you why you're powerful as a PTSD wife. First of all, the fact that you stay, it speaks to your character. It shows that you don't give up. You are relentless. And you're willing to fight for what's yours. Quitting is the easy way out. You know, when you quit, it's the monster that wins. And when I say the monster, I'm talking about PTSD, not your spouse. So if you quit, the monster wins. It also shows that you can see beyond your present moment and you believe that things can get better. You only stay in something because you know it has to be a better day coming up soon. Something's got to give. Something's got to change. You can look past your circumstances that are happening right now and see in the future, oh, I see that this is going to this is going to get better. Things are going to change. Something's going to work out. We're going to figure it out. 
We're going to do this. And that is what empowers you. It strengthens you in your mind and in your heart to be able to continue on. Because sometimes the circumstances are not easy. Sometimes it's not. It's not uh, an easy walk. It's not a walk in the park dealing with some of the things that you have to deal with. And a lot of times you hear people tell you, girl, if I was you, I wouldn't stay in that situation. If I was you, I wouldn't let him do that to me. They don't know anything about your story. They don't know what you're going through. They don't know about the challenges that you face. And just because you face these challenges doesn't mean that anything is wrong with you. It doesn't mean that anything is wrong with your relationship. I I remember hearing something, as a matter of fact, I'm sorry, I read something on Facebook and they were talking about struggle love and they were saying they don't want to hear about struggle love because they don't want to have to go through it. You know, and one thing I'll say about struggle love, if you don't go through the challenges in your relationship, you will not grow. You will not learn from the mistakes that were made. You will not learn the lesson in those hard times that you went through and you don't grow. If if it was easy, then there's no value to it. There's no, there's no appreciating the good times. If all you have is good times, you don't appreciate the good times until you have to go through the bad times. So when you make it through those bad times, you can see that, oh yes, I I know what it's like to have struggle, but now I'm here. I'm in a new place. I can look back and I can see how far I've come. I can see how far the Lord has brought me. I can see how I've grown. I can see how my husband has changed and how my husband has grown and we become closer together. That is the blessing in that struggle of. So don't knock it (laughs) because it's not something that you would do. If you don't want to do it, that is your choice. But I'm talking to those that have decided to stick with it and to stand their ground and fight for their families and fight for their marriage. There's nothing wrong with it. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. Don't let anybody talk you out of your blessing because that's where your blessing is. You know, when you go through something, you actually get closer to God as well, too, because you learn to lean on him during those hard times. It's going to be times when you can't lean on anybody but him. You can't depend on anybody but him. Learn to appreciate having to go through those hard times to get to the good times. When you're dealing with PTSD, every everything is every day is not a hard day. Every day is not a struggle. You do have some sunshine, but you also have some rain. And when it rains, baby, it rains. Okay, (laughs) but when the sun is out, when it's beautiful, it is a beautiful thing. All right. And you as a couple will learn to appreciate the path that you all walk together. I said um, in another time, I think I said this in my book, I'm pretty sure I said it in my book, that your relationship, the strength of your relationship is not determined by what you didn't have to go through, but it's determined by what you survived, what you walked through together and you survived and you overcame. That determines the strength of your relationship because you were able to make it through that hard time. So I want to take a minute to encourage you and let you know that even though I know that sometimes, maybe even right now, it doesn't feel like it, but you've got tough skin. You have what it takes to make it through this situation and through this hard time, because guess what? Hard times are only but for a moment. It's only for a moment that you go through it. 
And that's the thing. That's another thing that I learned is that when you're when you're having issues, you always define it as I'm going through it. If you say I'm going through a thing, that means that there's a beginning, there's a middle, and guess what? There's an end. So there's an end to the issue that you're going through. There's an end to the the trial that you're facing. So if you keep that in mind, I'm going through this and I'm not going to get stuck in it. You're going to be all right. I want you to know that everything that you've been through, everything that you've experienced in your relationship, everything is building you. It's making you stronger. It's making you better. It's making you to be who who it is that you were called to be. Sometimes it's the bumps and the bruises that we get walking uh, together as a couple that makes us stronger and more resilient. And that's what you are. You are resilient. You're a survivor. Not only did you survive, not only are you surviving, but you are thriving. It's something to be able to thrive in a place that seems like there's no life in it, where it seems like it's hard to grow. It's hard to cultivate, hard to make anything grow, but to be able to thrive in that place. Sometimes it takes a moment for you to see it, for you to realize that it's actually happening. But if you take a moment and look back and see where you've come from, you'll be able to see, oh, I made it through that. And that's going to build your confidence so that the next storm that you have to go through, you'll know, okay, I got this. The Lord got me. We're going to walk through this together. My husband and I, we're going to walk through this together. So don't you be discouraged. You hold your head up. So let me tell you what's important about your position as a wife. As a wife, you are the one that is closest to your husband. You are able to watch and observe because you know him so much. You're able to discern when it's time for you to make a move. All right. Again, I've said this before. Your job is not to fix them. Your job is to support them as they work to fix themselves, as they work through, as God is fixing them. That's your job. It's kind of like they um, had this thing in the Bible where they talk about a watchman and the watchman stands on the wall. The walls sit up higher so they can see they sit up on a hill so they can see the city. They're able to protect the city because they can look out and see if danger is coming and they can sound the alarm so that they can take up their fighting positions. And that's what your job is as a wife. You sit on the wall. You're able to watch and observe to see what's going on in your home, to see when it's time to sound the alarm so that if your husband needs help, if your family needs help, if your household needs help, that you're able to sound the alarm. Number one, you're going to talk to God about it and he's going to get you in that fighting position. He's going to fight for you. Actually, you don't have to get in the fighting position. He will fight for you. Once you sound the alarm, he's going to tell you what it is that you need to do in order to protect your home and in order to do what it is that needs to be done in this moment, in this time for him, for your husband. So you are a watchman. Another thing about your position as a wife is that you are closest to his heart. You're closest to his heart. 
The heart is such an important component of who we are as people. The Bible says from the mouth, the heart speaks. So if if you ever want to know what's in a person's heart, you listen to the words that they're saying. It reveals what they're going through. It reveals what they're thinking. Because you are in an intimate relationship with him, and that that does not just mean sex, but it means you are connected to him spiritually. You are intertwined. Your souls are intertwined. You become one. That's what the Bible says. When you get married, you become one. So because you are close to him, because you have this place, not only beside him, but you have this place in his heart, you're able to discern when something is off. If you need to take action, you'll know what to do in that moment. For example, I know what triggers to watch out for. I know that for my husband, death is a trigger. So when we experience a death, especially someone that he was close to or something that brings him back to an experience that he had with someone that he was close to, I know that there's something I'm going to have to be on the lookout for. I know that from experience, he falls into a deep depression. He'll get quiet. He'll sit out by himself. He may drink. He may overdo it with the drinking. I may notice that he's snapping at the kids or snapping at me. And I have to, I've learned that I don't take it personal because it's not about me in that moment. And that's another thing I've said this before. Sometimes you have to learn not to take things personal when it jumps off, (laughs) because a lot of times it's not about you. It's just about them being able to control their emotions. If you want to stay out of an argument, what do you do? You control your emotions. You control your thinking. You slow down your thinking process so that you don't shoot off at the mouth and then make matters worse. You have to take your time and make a mental note to remember he's going through something right now. His aggression, even though it seems like it's towards me, it's not my fault. It's not at me. I just happen to be here. And so what you have to do is to learn how not to be offended when things happen. You have to learn how to navigate your way through that situation. But that's a whole nother podcast. We have to do a podcast about conflict. I got some good information to give you about that. But back to what I was saying, you are the one that's closest to his heart because you're closest to him, because you are spiritually connected to him. Your souls are intertwined. You know when something is off with him. So that's when you need to spring into action and do what would minister to him. Ministry is service. Ministering to someone is about serving them. I don't mean this in a way of uh, inferiority or anything like that. Marriage is a ministry. You're supposed to be serving. We serve one another in marriage. And part of that service is knowing how, being able to humble yourself to not make it about you. As a woman, we are defenders. We are a protector of our family. We're covering for our husband just as he is a covering for us. And when they're in those weakened states, we have to be that covering for them. We have to be that protector for them. Did you know that 70% of marriages dealing with PTSD end in divorce and the rates of abuse and violence are much higher in families that are dealing with PTSD? 
Hostility and conflict can tear a family apart. The problem is, is that families are not equipped to handle the changes and the challenges that are brought on by the effects of trauma. In my book, The PTSD Wives Handbook, I uncover the hidden wounds of PTSD and I give you the tools that you need to let go of emotional baggage and find inner peace, self-love, and personal strength. I'm going to show you how to turn your pain into a renewed passion for a better quality of life for yourself, for your spouse, and for your family. PTSD affects the whole house, but your family doesn't have to be destroyed because of it. Get your copy of the PTSD Wives Handbook today. Click on the link in the show notes to order. Now, back to the show. So what are some ways that we can exercise our power as a PTSD wife? So the first thing we want to do is to create a safe atmosphere for them. Is your husband safe with you? Can he trust you with his emotions? Can he trust you with his weaknesses and his vulnerabilities? Are you a safe place for him? So what do I mean by that? What do I mean by safe place? I believe that your home should be your sanctuary. It should be the place that is safe for you. You're getting away from the world. You're getting away from all the noise, all the chaos, the cruelness of the world. In your home is a safe space. Nothing but love. Your peace is in your home. That's where your sanctuary is. It's a place of safety. So when my husband and I first got married, we decided not too long after we got married that We wanted to put everything in our home that we wanted so that there was no need to go and find that outside of the home. We wanted to find a way to make our home everything that we wanted. And this didn't take, we didn't have no big old mansion or anything like that. We had a regular sized home. We just filled it with the things that we wanted in there to make it bring us happiness, to make it bring us peace and comfort. We wanted it to be a place that people would enjoy coming to. We wanted it to be a place that we can come home and get rest. We wanted to uplift ourselves there. We wanted it to be a place that made us feel good. So it was a special place and we had to take care of it. What we were doing was creating an atmosphere that was built just for us. And our home became our safe place. You know, we were free to be ourselves here and free to be authentically us. Now, if I wanted to blast my music and sing at the top of my lungs, which I do quite often, don't judge me. I can do that because that's my safe place. Now, I can't tell y'all how many times my husband has walked in on me and I'm having a full on concert (laughs) with just me and a dog and the TV, (laughs) you know, and he'll just let me have that. He'll he'll come in, look at me kind of crazy and then, you know, just let me have my moment because I'm in a zone. I'm enjoying myself. Why? Because I'm in my home. (laughs) I'm, I'm in my own space. I'm doing me. And he appreciates that. Well, I don't know if he appreciates it. I don't know if he, you know, anyway, (laughs) but he he respects the fact that I'm in my home and I'm doing what I want to do because that's what we created it for. So just like we make our home the safe place and the place that we want it to be, that's how we need to be in our relationship. It needs to be a safe place. So in marriage, we should be 
as warm and as welcoming as as our homes are. Just look at the lengths that people go to make their home welcoming. They decorate it a certain way. They get um, the nice couch. They put all these pillows on the couch to make it comfortable. They decorate it pretty. They put words, uh, a, a, a words of affirmation on the wall. They have live, laugh, love. <laughs> words to live by. Live, laugh, love is all over everybody's houses everywhere. But you set an environment that is welcoming, that makes people want to come in and sit with you and hang out with you. But do you do that in your marriage? What kind of environment are you setting for your spouse? As women, we set the tone of the house. There's a scripture that says a wise woman builds her house and a foolish one tears it down with her hands. That means she tears it down with her own doings, with the things that she does. She's tearing down her own house. But that wise woman, she knows to build it up. So what does it mean to create a safe space for them? What does it mean to be a safe space for them? So let me ask you some questions. Is your husband able to be himself with you? Or does he have to put on an act? Or does he have to scale back on the things that he says and that he does. I'm not talking about the negative things. I just mean just being himself. Does he feel like he's respected? Do you judge him? Do you punish him? Do you complain about him to your friends, to your family? How about his family? How about the people that say, oh, I'm about to call his mama and tell him. (laughs) No, keep people out of your business. That's how you make your marriage last longer. That's one thing. That's a whole nother topic. I said that before too. (laughs) Nobody wants to be in a place where they can't be themselves, especially with the amount of time that you spend at home and spend with the people in your home. If you can't be yourself, why are you there? You got to respect that man for who he is because that's who you fell in love with. I hope you didn't marry someone thinking that you were going to change them. No, you're not going to change a person. You cannot change a person. If he didn't have it together when you married him, I don't know what you thought you were going to get after (laughs) you were married. You came into the marriage as two whole people. And now you're taking two whole people and making them one. And that's where the work comes in. Give them grace. That is another thing you can do to exercise your power. You can give them grace. You have to be careful not to be insensitive about the things that they're going through. If they're dealing with PTSD, they have some things that they're going through and you can't expect them to act the way that you would like them to act when their emotions are telling them not to act that way. (laughs) Their emotions are governing them. And you cannot get your emotions worked up When you're in that type of situation, you have to be sensitive to the fact that there's something else going on. You have to be sensitive to his needs. He's coming from a different place than you. He's in a different headspace than you are, especially in that moment. You have to consider his condition. Now, you have to be careful to draw the line to make sure that you're not allowing him to use it as a crutch. Now, there is a difference. You don't want to encourage him to use it as a crutch, but you have to think, be discerning and know how to tell, okay, is this him talking or is this the condition talking? What do I need to do in this moment? 
Remember, you can't change him, but God can change you. That's why it's important to ask for help when it comes to dealing with your spouse. Pray and ask God to tell you what you need to do. What do you need to do for your spouse in that moment? How can you be the person that he needs you to be at that time? If you look at the example of our praying to God, look at the way that we pray to God. We are supposed to be able to come to God when things are great, when we're just saying thank you. And we have to be able to come to him when we need help. And we have to be able to come to him when we've messed up. We, there's a, a scripture in the Bible. Um, we call it Highway 51. <laughs> Highway 51. I believe that's Psalms 51. And it, it says, have mercy on me, God. I have messed up. Purge me, forgive me, get rid of this sin. Help me get rid of this sin. Help me not to do this anymore. And it's the way that when we pray and we let it all out, we can, we can be ourselves. We can tell God the things that we've done, the ugly things that we've done. We can tell him the ugly truth because he can deal with it. Why? Because he already knows. So he wants us to be able to come to him and release it to him. And guess what he does? He forgives us. He shows us grace. And the fact that he doesn't hold our sin against us is just an example of how we are to be with each other. Sin is an offense against God. And when we sin against him, we are offending him. So it's the same thing in our relationship. When we sin against each other, we're offending each other. But God has shown us how we are supposed to be to each other the way he is to us. He forgives us and he wipes the slate clean and we start over again. And that's the way that we need to be with each other. When we've been offended, we need to learn how to let it go and wipe the slate clean. So we can start over again and keep moving forward together. So that's showing grace. Did you know you can build your husband up? You can make him into the man that he is supposed to be. You can make him into the man that you want to see. That doesn't mean manipulating him. Not at all. What that is, is that you are encouraging him. And how do you do that? You do it through your words. Your words have power. Your words are seeds. They have power. Whatever it is that you say is going to be. Whatever it is that you repeat is going to be, is going to manifest. So you have to be careful about the words that you use, but use your words to build him up. Your words have the ability to kill or to give life. Have you ever heard the saying, loose lips sink ships? <laughs> yes, that doesn't just have to do with secrets. <laughs> that has to do with using your words in a reckless way. That's about being reckless with your words, reckless with the things that you say to each other. Your words that are cruel and reckless, they can be like darts, piercing, hurting the person that they're directed to. And if you use your words to build and to encourage and to uplift instead of using them as darts to destroy, you can change that man. You can change the way he feels about himself. He'll want to be better for you because you are so invested in him. 
he'll see how well you think of him. And he'll start looking at himself and say, yeah, I am great. (laughs) And because he'll start thinking of himself in a different way, he'll want to act better. He'll start acting better. He'll start changing his behavior. He'll start changing the way that he says things to you. You can make him into the man who you want him to be by the way you treat him. If you want him to act better, start by treating him better. If you want him to be nicer to you, then you start being nicer to him. Your words will plant seeds and your actions will water it and make it grow. Proverbs chapter 31 verse 23 talks about how the man is well known and he's a city official. Uh, He's known at the gates because of his wife. It's because she is there to build him up, not behind him, but beside him. If she's behind him, it's to push and encourage him to say, come on, keep going. You can do this. We got this. I have faith in you. I believe in you. You have to learn how to focus on his strengths and less on his weaknesses. Don't dwell on his weakness. A lot of times we bring up what they're doing wrong all the time. Do you know how many scriptures there are in the Bible that have to deal with a nagging wife? I can't believe it's that important that they put it in the Bible, a nagging wife. So listen, I'm going to give you a couple of them, a couple of examples of what they say. So Proverbs chapter 21, verse nine, it says, it is better to live in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. You're going to be in a corner of a housetop. You're going to live right there instead of being in the house with me. (laughs) Okay. Proverbs 21 verse 19. It says, it is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. I mean, come on, man. (laughs) Right. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 15. It says a continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are like, I, I can't, I can't right now. <laughs> the Bible is just handing me my face right now. I cannot. All right. And then finally, I have uh, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 13. It says a, a wife's quarreling is a continual dripping of rain. So it tells you, yeah, nobody wants a nagging wife. Nobody wants anybody pointing out their flaws and telling them everything that's wrong. Nobody wants that. You're not doing any good. You're not fixing the situation. You're not making the situation better. You're not encouraging your husband. You're not building your relationship. Don't do it. Don't do it. Focus on where he is strongest and work on building that. Now I'm going to tell you about a secret weapon that you need in your arsenal. The secret weapon you're going to use is praise. Praise is affirmation. It's a constant reminder for them of who they are to you. Praise will let him know how you feel about them. So what do they need to hear from you? They need to know, number one, I hear you. Number two, I get it. And number three, I got you. They need to know that they're respected, that they're appreciated, that they're understood, and that they're desired. He wants to know that you believe in him. Praise and affirmation are a combination of your words and your action. The truth is there's going to be conflict. And there's going to be times that he's going to get on your absolute last nerve and you're going to get on his last nerve as well too. 
It's okay to express your disappointment with something that was said or that was done, but you have to learn how to do it in a way that doesn't demean him or emasculate him. There has to be balance. You can't be that dripping, <laughs> dripping of rain, constantly uh, letting him know when he's doing something wrong, when he, when he messed up. Sometimes he can't help that. And it's not a crutch. Again, as I said, it's not a crutch. It may be a bad decision. And guess what? He can learn on his own. He may learn from his own behavior. He may learn from his own mistake, but you got to give him the space and the opportunity to do that for himself in his own time and in his own way. You cannot force your way. You can't force your will on somebody. You got to let him do it for himself. What praise is going to do is to result in positive behavior. It's going to lead to a change in behavior. Now, let me, let me tell you, you keep on telling him how fine he is, okay? How wise he is. Let him solve a few problems for you. Make a big deal when he fixes something around the house. Watch what happens. <laughs> Watch what happens. Watch how he changes his behavior. Watch how he'll start doing things to seek your approval. Because he knows how that makes him feel. He knows that what he does, he knows how that makes you feel. And he knows that your response makes him feel good as well. And then it becomes a circle where it just goes around and around. And you all are just reciprocating back and forth to each other. And that's only making you all grow together as a couple and increasing your love and your admiration for one another. One of my favorite old school songs uh, is a song by James Ingram, and it, I think it's called Find 100 Ways or 100 Ways. But essentially, he's talking in this song about doing all this nice stuff, doing all the nice stuff, the things that, you know, the woman appreciates, doing the things that make her feel special. And, and he says that it's for the grown folks. He says later on. She's going to think about the things that you've done for her and she'll realize, you know what? I owe him. I owe him because he's been so good to me. I owe him. That's an example of praise and affirmation in, in action. That's your words and your actions, your words being the seeds, your actions watering it. That's a result. That's the fruit of what comes forth when you do the praise and affirmation with each other. Another tool that you have in your arsenal is to prioritize them. Do you prioritize them in your day or are you too busy for them? Now, this is something that affects our household as well, too, because I get busy as an entrepreneur. I get busy because I still have my regular job, my nine to five until I can transfer over. I still have my nine to five and then I have my entrepreneur my uh, I, then I have my business that I'm working with. I may have something going on. I'm active in my church. I might have something to do. And then sometimes I'm tired. I just don't want to do anything. But you have to be careful because you'll become so consumed with the things that you have to do or the things that you have going on that you don't realize the distance that's coming between you two. You'll be separating and growing away from each other, even when you're in the same house. One of the things you can do is to make sure that you keep family time for family and keep your business and other activities for that time. Prioritize your time. Find a cutoff point. If you get off work at four o'clock, after four o'clock, you shouldn't be doing any work. If you schedule a time to work on your business, cut it off, spend time with each other. We have uh, what we call date night. 
Thursdays are a special day. And he'll remind me all day. Hey, today's Thursday. <laughs> today's Thursday. This us time. This is our date night. If we go out or if we stay home and watch a movie and cook or anything, that's the time that we designate to ourselves and our relationship. That is prioritizing each other over everything else that's going on. Because guess what? When these businesses are done, when you retire, when the kids grow up, they're going to leave and it'll just be the two of you there. And then what you going to do? You have to get to know each other all over again. (laughs) And then you got to decide if you like each other. You may not like each other at that point. (laughs) All right. So the key is to stay connected so you don't grow apart and then you don't have to relearn each other all over again. So let's jump into our coaching moment. For today's coaching moment, I want you to do a journal exercise. So I want you to write a prayer. Okay, I want you to ask God to give you what you need to be the wife he created for your husband. Ask him what you need to know about your husband. What do you need to understand about him? You're going to ask him for revelation about your husband. Now, revelation is not just information. It's having the information, understanding what it means, and then applying that knowledge to your situation. You're going to ask him how you can take what you know and use it to minister or to serve him. So after you do that, I want you to make a list of all the things that your husband is struggling with. What are the things that he struggles the most with? What are the things that are repetitive that you can see? Oh, we're dealing with this again. For each item, I want you to write it down and I want you to pray and ask God, to show you how you can minister to him in that area. Leave space so you can write down the thoughts that come to your mind. Put yourself in that position. If you were in that position, what would you need? What would you want somebody to do for you? How would you want somebody to minister to you in that area? So for each area that he's struggling in, I want you to ask him to reveal what you don't know about that struggle. Ask him how you can help him in this area. What skills, what expertise or what resources do you have that can help him? You may already have what's needed. So ask God to show you what it is that you can do for him. And then finally, I want you to ask him how this is going to bring you closer in your relationship. And I want you to think about that as well. Answer that question. How is this going to bring you closer in your relationship? How is going through it going to bring you closer? And how is you serving him in that area? How will that bring you closer as a couple? Well, you all, that is my time for today. I hope that something was said that will give you the strength to keep going and to keep fighting and to let you know that everything is going to be all right. All right. I want you all to be encouraged, be empowered and be blessed. Peace, y'all.